Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Of course, Bible Crossfire, what I do, I try to preach the gospel on this program, but guess what? Callers have first priority. I don't want to bore you to death, so call in. People, I think, are interested in what you have to say, your questions or comments on, on the Bible. Sometimes we have some healthy discussion on here. We do it in a friendly way. But the goal is to find the truth. I mean, after all, Jesus said in Matthew, excuse me, John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So only the truth is going to make us free from sin. False doctrine is not going to make us free from sin. So when we discuss the truth, it's nothing personal. The goal is to find the truth. And in and, and John seventeen seventeen, Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the word of God is going to define for us what the truth is. So when we're discussing trying to find the truth, we're going to know what, want to know what the word of God says. And it doesn't say two different things on the same topic. Two plus two is not equal, going to equal to four and five in mathematics or in religion. So if the Bible teaches that uh, believers should be immersed, Acts 8, 35 through 37, Romans 6, verse 4, it's not going to teach somewhere else that baptism is a sprinkling of a baby. It's not going to teach both. And both of them are not going to be right. If, if somebody teaches that you can sprinkle babies for baptism, and the Bible teaches in Acts 8 that it has to be a believer in Romans 6, that it has to be an immersion, then those teaching that sprinkling for babies for baptism will do, they're wrong. Because the Bible teaches otherwise. You can't teach something wrong and still be right. As the announcer said, if you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. While we're waiting on our first call, I thought we'd talk about some responsibilities of a Christian. Well, there's two reasons why you need to know this. One, if you're not a Christian, but you're considering becoming a Christian, you need to know what you're signing up for. What would be my responsibilities? If I become a Christian, you don't want to sign up for something you're not willing to do. There's one thing we learned from from the Bible, Second Peter chapter 2, 20 through 22 in particular. God would rather you not become a Christian than become a Christian and then renege on your commitment. He says, if you do that, if you escape the pollutions or sins of the world through the knowledge of Christ, Second Peter 2, 20, but then you're entangled again back into the sins of the world. He said the latter end is worse with you than the beginning. It's better for you not to know the way of righteousness than after you know it to turn, know, know it to turn from it. Second Peter 2, 20 through 22. So you need to know what you're signing up for when you become a Christian. And after you're a Christian, you certainly need to know what the responsibilities of a Christian are. So you know what you're supposed to be doing. Well, let's look at some of those responsibilities of a Christian. Number one, and I have it first on the list for a reason. The first responsibility of a Christian is to attend church services. People say, well, I can be a Christian and not go to church. Well, they didn't get that from the Bible. They didn't get that from God. They got that maybe from wishful thinking. They want to be a Christian, meaning they want to be saved eternally. But they don't want to do anything. They don't want to go to church. I can go to ch be a Christian without going to church. The Bible doesn't say that. Instead, it says Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider one another provoke unto love and the good works, 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another. So we that's a command, not just a recommendation, not just advice. It's a command. Do not forsake the assembling of, our, of yourselves together. Christians are supposed to go to church. Well, why? It gives us a couple of reasons here. One, when we're there, we're going to provoke one another to love and to good works. We're going to exhort one another. Sometimes I, I put it this way. Look, I think it would be next to impossible to be a Christian if you don't go to church. Because you just kind of like you just be doing the whole thing by yourself without any encouragement, without any help. It doesn't work that way. I don't know that you can make it. I don't see how anybody can make it that way. You go to church regularly because those people are going to help you to be faithful the next week, to be faithful the next month. They're going to encourage you. Not only encourage you to do it, but teach you how to do it or show you the way to do it by their example. And guess what? You're going to encourage them to do the same. When you're at church, you're going to be worshiping God, which is what you should want to do if you're a Christian. If you're staying away from church, does that mean you don't want to worship God? You're going to be studying God's word at church which is what a Christian ought to want to do. If you're a Christian, why would you not want to study God's word? You're going to be praying. You're going to be partaking of the Lord's Supper, which is to remember Jesus' death. That's what a Christian would want to do. That's what a Christian is instructed to do. You don't attend church. Not only are you violating the text that says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together, you're committing all these other sins by not going to church. You're not worshiping God. You're not studying the Bible like you ought to. You might not be contributing to the church financially like you ought to. You're not doing the Lord's Supper like you ought to, the communion. You're, you're probably not praying like you ought to if you're not going to church. That's why I've got it number one. You're not going to church. It's going to be almost impossible for you to be a faithful Christian. Well, it will be impossible for you to be a faithful Christian. And you're not just committing one sin. You're committing a whole host of sins if you're not going to church. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. If you're listening tonight and somebody's told you or you've convinced yourself you can be a Christian without going to church, you're dead wrong. Hebrews 10.25, God commands it. He expects you to be there. Number two on my list of responsibilities of a Christian, and this is not an exhaustive list. There's a lot more... uh, responsibilities of a Christian that I could even think about going through in 26 minutes. But number two is pray. First Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. It must be pretty important if God says commands, pray without ceasing, pray without stopping. But this doesn't mean that we have to pray at every moment, but it means we pray regularly without stopping. It's kind of like the sentence, the 90-year-old, the 90-year-old didn't stop driving. Maybe, uh, maybe the 90-year-old's daughter is hoping that he'll stop driving, but he didn't stop driving at 90 years old. It doesn't mean that he drives 24 hours a day without stopping. No, he may only drive maybe 30 minutes a day. So, so he stops driving for, he's not driving for, 23 hours and 30 minutes a day, but he didn't stop driving in that he did not completely quit driving. That's what this is talking about in prayer. You don't stop regular praying. Praying. Suppose a Christian, faithful Christian, prays maybe a dozen times a day. Sounds pretty good. So he prays a dozen times a day for five years, and then he quits, and he hadn't prayed in a month. He's He stopped 
praying. You stop praying. Doesn't mean you don't stop while you're going to sleep. I mean, if you had to pray every moment of the day, you couldn't go to sleep. Doesn't mean you don't stop praying while you're working at your job. It means you don't stop praying completely. Like the 90-year-old did not stop driving. He's, he's not driving every moment of the day, but he hadn't stopped completely. It's a responsibility for Christians to pray. That's how we talk to God. We don't want to, don't want to stop that. Pauline from Washington, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, I was calling. Um, I want to know, in your opinion, is a baptism a means of salvation or is baptism a sign of your salvation? Well, if if I know what you mean... Okay, it would is, be, is, I would, is, in on, order to be I, saved, I, do I have to get baptized? Yes, yes, yeah. Okay. So, Read, let's, but, listen, so, Pauline, Pauline, let's look at Mark sixteen sixteen together. Okay. Do you have your Bible handy? I do not. I'm in my car. Mark sixteen sixteen. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mm-hmm. What does that sound like? Does it sound like you ought to be baptized to be saved? Well, I think that that God, Jesus wants us to be baptized, but but baptism is a sign of an inward work of grace, which is our salvation. It is baptism does not say this. Otherwise, children who don't even understand the the means of salvation would be saved on their on their sprinkling baptism, and that's not right. Pauline, yes, let's think about those children. Mm-hmm. Remember well, when we're teaching anyway. when when we're teaching that baptism is necessary to salvation, nobody's teaching that all you have to do is be baptized. You also, Jesus said, believe and be baptized. Uh-huh. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And in Acts two thirty eight, God says, Repent and be baptized for the remission mm-hmm. of sins, for the to get salvation from sins. So it looks like to me, Pauline, these passages are saying Yes, you do have to be baptized to be saved, but that's not all you have to do. You have to re- believe and repent. So a little baby that gets baptized, he's not saved. As you said, he doesn't need salvation. He doesn't have any sin. But he's not saved because he hadn't believed. He hadn't repented. You see that? So so I believe that repentance comes before baptism. Right. That's what Peter said in Acts 238. Right. Okay. Repent so believing, repentance, and then baptism is a sign of that repentance and accepting of so, Christ as your Savior. But if, Pauline, if I went out, what? Pauline, you, early on you mentioned that baptism was a sign that you were already okay. saved of an inward right. grace. Do you have right. a verse for that? Where's the verse that teaches uh, that? Well, you know what? I really can't say one because I don't have my Bible right here with me, and I'm driving in my car. But, but the baptism, when when they were called, people were called, they were called to repentance, and then baptism was a sign to the world of their acceptance of Christ as a Savior. Baptism did not save them. Do you have a verse for that, Pauline? I do not, because I don't have my Bible with me. I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to say this with all due respect and, and love. The reason you don't have a verse for that is not because you don't have your Bible handy. It's because there is no verse in the Bible that teaches that. So even if you had your Bible and you had the whole thing memorized, you wouldn't be able to find the verse that teaches that baptism is an outward sign of an inward grace. What we have, Pauline, are passages, every passage that tells us the purpose of baptism. And there's six or eight of them. 
every single one of them say you got to do it to be saved. None of them say you do it because you're already saved. We've already read Mark 16, 16, Pauline. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That would teach that you got to be baptized to be saved just as much as it teaches you got to believe to be saved. And then we read Acts okay, 2, 38. Well, that, okay, then let me ask you this. Okay, when Philip was uh, transported in and to the eunuch and he was reading Isaiah to him and he believed and he he believed and he believed all the words that Philip was talking to him. What did he say? He said, well, is there any reason why I can't be baptized? And, and Philip said, no, there is not. So they stopped and he was baptized. So he believed and repented. And then his baptism was a sign of his belief. Well, it doesn't actually say his baptism was a sign of his belief though. Well, I'm, re- I'm looking right at it. I'm looking okay. right at it. In Acts 8. It doesn't say not, that. Did, okay. So you, are you saying that, if if somebody goes to a, a meeting and they're having a revival meeting at the river and they're calling for baptism and he feels the need to be baptized, so if he goes into that water and, and he hasn't made a confession and a repentance to God, he's saved? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you got to believe and you got to repent and you okay. got to be baptized to be saved. So there's another passage that I want you to look at, Pauline. It's Acts 22, verse 16. Now, this okay. is the story, in the middle of the story of the conversion of Saul who later became uh-huh. known as Paul the Apostle. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You'll remember, Pauline, that the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus. We see that in Acts 9, Acts 22, Acts 26. Paul believed mm-hmm. on the road to Damascus. He repented when he got into Damascus. It said he was three days without sight and he was fasting. He repented. So he's already believed. And three days later, Ananias tells him in Acts 22, verse 16, Pauline, and now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So, Pauline, think about that. When were Saul's sins washed away? When did the blood of Christ wash away his sins? When he believed on the road to Damascus, or three days later when he was baptized? Well, I think there are several verses that kind of put all of that into different correlation as far as steps. Uh, you know, as for as with a mass confession is made into salvation. There's, there's where I believe, and and my baptism was a sign of my confession and belief and salvation to Christ. So Pauline no, here baptism, it says, my baptism and, uh, hey, did Pauline, not save me, but my pa- repentance did. Okay, so you, you in First Peter three twenty one, the Bible says, baptism doth also now save us. Now, you just said your baptism didn't save you, and God said baptism saves us. First Peter three okay. twenty one. So why well, love you, Pauline? Well, but why would you say something that? Why would you say the very opposite of what God said? You said your baptism didn't save you. First Peter three twenty one says baptism saves us. Why well, you would know you what? want to directly I contradict I God? Baptized, like I was not baptized until ten years after my salvation. My walk with the Lord was. The same as if it was that I felt that Jesus did call me to the need of baptism, and I answered that and was obedient. But my salvation was before I was baptized. Pauline, thank you for your call. So in Acts twenty two sixteen, people will say, well, well, people are saved when they believe. But Paul believed on the road to Damascus, and three days later he's told to get baptized to get sin washed away. So that that doesn't work at all. What Pauline's saying has has nothing whatsoever to do with what the Bible says. You're not saved when you believe, and then 10 years later, you're baptized. Here, Paul was believed, 
Three days later, he gets baptized. And when he, his sins weren't washed away when he believed. And then 10 years later or three days later, he got baptized. No, his sins were washed away by the blood of Christ when he was baptized. I didn't write this. Ananias was sent by Jesus to tell Paul what to do. And he said, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. So if, you're, if your sins are washed away when you believe, why did Ananias tell Saul to be baptized to get his sins washed away? Why did Peter, talking about water baptism, say baptism doth also now save us? Why did, why did Peter say in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins if you didn't have to get baptized to get the remission of sins? And why did Jesus say, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, Mark 16.16, 16, if you didn't have to be baptized to be saved? Baptism, the same thing. Rick from, Rick from Delaware, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yes, sir. I, I, I was uh, listening to the broadcast. I'm in my car. And I was wondering, I, I heard the uh, speaker say that uh, you must be uh, baptized in order to be saved. And I guess my question, uh, what became of the person that was on the cross with Jesus? He didn't have time to be baptized. Was he saved? or? Let me ask like you something. Was. Quick question, Rick. Was, yes, sir. Was Adam and Eve, were they baptized? I don't know. <laughs> was was Moses baptized? Uh, I think they had circumcision uh, uh, at that point in time. I, yeah, I think so they, they didn't have to be baptized. The people in the old covenant, Rick, didn't have to be baptized because right. baptism is nowhere mentioned in the Old Testament. That's not a, it's strictly a New Testament ordinance. The first time that baptism was 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 bound that people had to be baptized to be saved was in an Acts 2, which is what, 40 or 50 days after the thief on the cross died. The thief on the cross lived under that Old Testament law. Remember where you didn't have to be baptized. Let me show, hey, read to you a passage. Hebrews 9, 15 through 17, Rick says, for this cause he, talking about Christ, is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemptions of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might be received the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is no strength at all while the testator liveth. A will does not go into effect until after the death of the person who wrote the will. Now, the parallel being made here is that Jesus' New Testament, the testament, the law that requires baptism, didn't go into effect, Rick, until after the death of the testator, Jesus Christ. So the thief on the cross was forgiven before Jesus died. He didn't have to be baptized. He lived under the Old Testament law, just like Adam and Eve, Moses, Noah, Joshua, Abraham. They didn't have to be baptized because they lived under the Old Testament law. This is strictly a New Testament ordinance. People didn't have to be baptized to get the remission of sins until Acts 2.38. Do you see what I mean, Rick? Uh, yeah, uh, there are two types of baptism, meaning uh, there's the baptism of water, and then there's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, yep. I, I, I think the previous caller, I, I got the impression she was talking about the identification by baptism by water. So in First Peter 3, we know he's talking about water baptism because he brings up Noah in verse 20. Right. He says, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water, the like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. So the baptism that saves us 
is water baptism. That's the parallel that that's being made back to Noah. There's eight souls being saved by water. In other words, those eight people were saved physically through the water. They didn't die. They didn't drown. And then the parallel being made is our baptism saves us. And this time out of spiritual salvation it says it's not the putting away the filth of the flesh, not a physical cleansing. Baptism saves us spiritually. We know it's water baptism because the whole reason he brings up baptism is because he's talking about Noah and the waters of the flood. You see my point, Rick? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Rick, we appreciate your call so much. You keep listening to the program, okay? Uh, Thank you very much, sir. Brian from Louisiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Oh, yeah. How you doing? Uh, We've just been working out. We're listening to you. And, um, you know, um, and... I just felt like the other caller, like maybe you, something just what you're saying just doesn't doesn't add up right to me. On the when we're reading through Acts chapter 19, can you go through those scriptures about when Paul met the, when Paul was at Ephesus? Well, we can, but we don't have a lot of time. I have about four minutes left on the program, so let's make it quick. Well, anyway, when I when I when I look through there, I see Paul. He comes and he finds some disciples, and uh, and and then. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. And then Paul said, into what then were you baptized? Yep. And they said, into John's baptism. And then as he proceeds through there, <clears throat> he said, John baptized uh, with a baptism of repentance. And then he, he kept talking to them. He said, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yep. So were they that's Acts 19.5. That you got that story right. received the Holy Spirit. Were they water baptized at this point? Yeah, that's what baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus is, is water baptism. That's water baptism. Uh, so in Acts 2.38, regarding the, the Holy Lord Spirit, Jesus and also baptized in the Holy Spirit, regarding the Holy Spirit, in Acts 2.38, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. So when you get repent, as Peter's talking to believers here, when believers repent of their sins and they're baptized for the remission of sins, they'll get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so you got to be baptized in water to get the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That seems pretty clear, doesn't it? So we're not talking about Holy Spirit in Acts 19.5. Baptism in the name of Jesus there in Acts 2.38 is water baptism. Baptism in the name of Jesus, water baptism. Then you get the Holy Spirit. Then you get the remission of sins. Another clear passage. Actually, Acts 19 teaches you got to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. Eugene from South Carolina. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, man. I I appreciate what you're talking about tonight. So many people are so confused about that. They focus on baptism, but baptizing the what? Without the death of Jesus, baptism is purposeless. If you believe in the cross, you share in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And beyond that, first you have to commit to being his disciple. In John 31, Jesus said, if you hold, 831, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. Jesus told John it was fitting for us to be baptized to fulfill our righteousness. So I don't know why people are discrediting the lordship of Jesus when it comes to baptism. They argue with you, Jesus was baptized. And Jesus hadn't died yet, 
when the when the Jews were baptized for repentance. He hadn't died. And as far as the thief on the cross, he was Jesus. He forgave sin. He had the authority hey, to forgive sin. Eugene, I appreciate your call. Good call, Eugene. I appreciate that. So let's get back to Acts 2.38. Remember, I didn't write this. Peter's talking to some believers. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So unless a believer repents of his sins, unless a believer is baptized, not only is he not going to get the remission of sins, he's not going to get the gift of the Holy Ghost. You've got to be baptized to get the gift of the Holy Ghost. You've got to be baptized to get the remission of sins. So it's not be saved and then get baptized 10 years later. Like Pauline said, it's you be baptized to get the forgiveness of sins, the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. That's what the Bible says. If you'd like a free one-hour phone Bible study at your convenience with me on the phone, call or text me at 256-682-9753.